red-headed man. You sitting at the ocean side waiting for a lover. And that lover, my friends, is you. Yes, I was singing Ocean Man's parody by Zachary J.J. Jonah Zachary Ferguson, uh, o- the Ocean Man's. And uh, to my immediate super far whatever is uh, my brother, who seems to be having some trouble. Uh, I don't have any trouble. I was just like looking up who the real um, housewives are. The re- yeah, I was just looking up every single which one of the real house. No, who the real artist of Ocean Man is, because we don't want any uh, incorrect copyright. That it's, is uh, uh, King. Ween. Ween. There is a band name. Oh, there is a band name, King. King. And they do the song where it's like, everybody's changing. But. Ween is from New Hope, Pennsylvania. And. It sounds like they were trying to say Weezer, but then just, just, just got lazy and just kind of stopped. Um, I wonder who came first. I will say, um, we were all introduced to Ween back in this uh, SpongeBob SquarePants first movie. If you knew that. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Apparently, it play. Well, not apparently. It does. It plays at the very end of uh, the movie where Squidward's like. Hey, you learned something? He's like, no, uh, like you wanted to say something? And he's like, no, your fly was down. And then he jumps up in the air and he goes, Ocean Man sitting by the sideline like a big old dope. Mm. Um, But you know what? Songs are great and they're great when they're in movies, uh, which I'm just going to preface this topic today so you can stick around. Um, Today is going to be about um, musicians, like people who start off as musicians, who write famous songs for movies. Like, mm-hmm. their song actually was in the movie, and it became, like, a huge hit. Uh, and I'm trying to look up a list of these people, but all I get is 30 best films about music. And I don't want mm-hmm. that. I want I want musicians, and then you get biopics and all this other jazz. So, Well, I have a few. Uh, also, two things. Uh, well, we'll start with this one. My uh, audio may sound a little bit echoey. That's because I... Uh, I'm constantly having to figure out where to record. Um, and I figured the best place this time will be in the basement because there will be no sound interruptions. Uh, no one comes down here. Um, and, you know, it, it works for the most part. But there it might be a little bit of an echo. Also, there's spider webs, cobwebs, and spiders all around me. So are you, sca- if I freak are you out, scared a little bit? I'm not scared. It's more of just interesting to look. Uh, and also, like, the dark places. I'm just imagining, like, there's a bunch of bugs in those dark places. Uh, you know how you imagine, like, as soon as you turn off the lights, the like, this place is just going to be filled with bugs, and I'm just, like imagining all these bugs looking at me and being like why is he still well you've here? lived you've lived in uh in uh what's it called you lived in uh new york so you understand that well that was cockroaches and cockroaches to me are not as disgusting as some of the things that i've seen in this basement but anyways we shall press on um it's been a big day in um the world well, the at world. least in America. Yeah. Uh, to say that I have not been fairly sad about being an American for the past few days. Uh, wait. 
This, How uh, did I phrase that? To, uh, to say I'm I'm sad about being an American is what I'm trying to say. Oh. Because... I'm just sad to be uh, in America. I, I'm happy to be an American because that's mm. what I am. I guess it's whatever your definition of what America is. And, I mean, also, I'm also rocking on some old-ass batteries. Um why did my you come into already... this super badly prepared? No, 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 no. I wasn't badly prepared. I actually tested this, and uh, it was working fine. Um, but now it's kind of low. So Ocean, I think it's because the batteries, the batteries that I found um, were from the late 90s, early 2000s, I think. Um, well, I got to tell you, so um, just to bookmark where we're at uh, in the world, this is uh, May 29, 2020. So they just arrested the guy who killed George Floyd. Yeah, he. Um, they just arrested him, um, and they just charged him with third-degree murder. And um, I really wanted to do something because I think um, – to be silent about these kind of things. Uh, you know, sometimes even if we are a film and media show, you know, we try not to get political as much as possible, but I think it is very important to talk about these things um, when, it's, when, it's, when it's really the silence that is doing the thing that is, that is the most harm is when no one talks about it. And I'm, I'm probably most likely speaking to the choir here, everyone in Brooklyn, uh, I'm sure people listening to this are, you know, not, not it's mostly a left-leaning audience. If you're not, then I'm still glad you're listening. I um, would love it if all of our audience were uh, right, centrist, you know, in between. I would be happy. Mm, I would not be happy about that. Why? I, I want because <laughs> then I would be concerned about what what happens. We're I would be concerned about thought. what we were what we were saying. Like if all of our listeners were li- right leading, then like what? No, I but feel like we'd be very. Uh, would it be uh, something? Wouldn't it be something if white like leaning? Somebody's like, "Hey, I know you're a Ku Klux Klan member, but check out this podcast." And they're like, "Ah, I'm a racist." Well, they wouldn't say I'm a racist. But like after they listen to our podcast, they're like, "Aha, I am right leaning." But I wouldn't want any Ku Klux Klan people listening to this podcast. I'm gonna say that. Now. Not even if they're like willing to 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 change. Well, if this was a podcast, like it was a political podcast in which we really tried to dive in deep and analyze this stuff and talked about racism all the time, then yes. But since we're just talking about movies, movies. I would be worried that. No, the I think things it would be, that we are saying it would be interesting. I think it would be interesting if, like, this Ku Klux Klan member. Anyways, know, I I want to. I don't want to. Like, whoa, wait a minute! These guys who like, I'm trying to think. The guys who like boogie nights are actually pretty pretty liberal. <laughs> Where have I gone all wrong my entire uh, life? K. I guess I'm not going to do the other two. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, this person Anyways. will send their. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I, we wanted to, I wanted to do an episode today uh, that was a Black Lives Matter episode um, where we would bring on our, a friend who is black, um, who talks about, who likes movies a lot. Um, a, a film and maniac. I would, well, a fil- yeah, a film lover. 
yeah, he's a, definitely a film lover, but um, uh, I didn't want to rush it. I want to give him some time. Exactly. Um, also, think I about ne- some things. I need to like do my research. So yeah, so that's the timestamp of today, and um, you know, it's there's there's a lot going on in the world. But we're hoping that you came to this podcast thinking, whoo-wee, I like it. Give me it. Give me what you got. We're hoping you said that before this started. I hope you came. 11.55 comes rolling around, and you're just like, whoo-wee, give me what you got. And you get so pumped. 11.55? I thought this thing started at Or 10.55. Sorry, 10.55. Um also, on our on the radio show on Radio Free Brooklyn is still our old school thumbnail from our radio or from our podcast days. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, we we have a whole uh, thing going on here. And then, lastly, with our news, so next so next week we're going to be doing the Black Lives Matter episode. We're going to be talking about movies, um, uh, circling around, uh, you know, Black Lives in America specifically. Talk about um, some uh, some black uh, movies or like you know African American throughout yeah. the whole um, top like decades. and we'll just we'll our, our friend well we, he hasn't said yes yet but we'll we'll we won't say his name but anyways um, and then after that I want to start doing I'm saying it now so we can do, do it, it. Um, I want to start um, a series. Um, with each episode, I want to interview uh, some indie theater in Pittsburgh or New York um, and just talk about uh, what they're doing and how they're surviving and what we can do to help and, you know, just kind of uh, keeping keeping the theater, indie theaters, I don't care about AMC or whatever, um, keeping the indie theaters attached and keeping them going. Um, so that's that's going to be a more long-term goal. But um, but this, this is... Uh, well, is there any film news, Zach? Have you seen any film news? Uh, not really. Uh, I just know uh, in Pit- uh, Pittsburgh is supposed to be opening up pretty heavily starting next week. But um, yeah, now, of course, of course, it, everything's at like fifty percent capacity. There's also a lot of. Um, um, I'm trying to think what else is going on. I mean, I guess in I don't music news. It's just, it's weird talking about any other kind of news right now. I mean, there's nothing really going on besides the riots that are happening right now. Once again, this isn't political, but uh, who did uh, Trump just uh, made us leave? Oh, who? he just, oh yeah, he left the World Health Organization. Yeah, he's an idiot and um, we'll be better off as he's losing a world his mind, without yeah. him. Well, he's um, lost his mind. Oh, and he, he's going, well, this is media. He's now attacking Twitter. Which is oh. now this interesting thing, because Twitter is now trying to fact check people by actually pointing, if they're spreading lies, they put a little thing at the bottom saying, you know, here's, you know, actually, let's, let's, let's not trust these tweets uh, Though, that uh, have no fact check whatsoever. Let's, let's there... have, let's connect to places that are heavily fact checked, um, and Trump is now pissed off about that because he lies all the time. So I think it's just interesting that uh, like Twitter, which is a public company, like they, I mean, te- technically, can't they really do anything they want? 
That's the thing is they can do whatever they want, but also Facebook is in the same boat. And for some reason, Mark Zuckerberg is the complete opposite where he's like, we can't we can't be the ones to tell people what the truth oh, is. I thought I thought that was funny. And then there was like a, a meme that said uh, uh, Mark, Zucker, uh, Mark Zuckerberg d- dead at 36 after saying oh, that yeah, nobody can that. fact check on th- uh, Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think we're in a world now in which facts apparently we are need to have scary. fact checkers. We need to have some kind of border up because obviously lies are just so readily spread so quickly. No, yeah. Well, um, okay. This I could and, definitely rant about this, but yes, I totally agree. Buddy. I mean, it is kind of media, social media, but and, and it's super prevalent. It's very prevalent right now. Um, but it's interesting. There's the two dualities, and then Instagram's just kind of like I don't know. <laughs> They're just kind of chilling there. Um, but I guess there's really not that much news being spread on Instagram. Um, all right. Um, so so yeah. I mean, that's I, the the news more so, not really the film news. And by the way, New all York this is, is technically media because everything is filmed on a phone these days. So fair. Um, the news. Oh, you said Pittsburgh's opening up soon. They said New York City is supposed to open up June 8th. Um, what do you mean by open up? Is, like that, um, do tell, Well, do phase tell. one. It's going to, how New York is doing is they're doing it in phases. The first stage is manufacturing, retail, um, some other things. It's not film. It's, you know, film's not going to be until like phase three or something, but... Um, New York City is quote unquote opening up, and I don't know if you heard this act. This is actually really fascinating. The subways, mm-hmm. um, first off, they're clean now because the subways are going to be closed at night for a while, so they get to clean. They actually get to do these cleaning, um, but they now have this this infrared light that they put into the subways that disinfects through lasers. Like they put the lasers in the subway cars and it just spins around and that's how they disinfect the cars. Whoa. Is with these lasers. That sounds like the futures. I know, right? It's kind of interesting how this, like people are now forced to do things and we have the technology to do these things, but now they're forced to actually do it. Uh, And it's kind of bringing us into the 21st century. And there's a lot of um, infrastructure that is being... um, uh, like projects that have been pushed far behind, um, like the L, the L line, for those of you who are in New York, you know what this is. The L line has been under renovation for a long time, a long, long, long time. And they're now they're basically done with it because they've had all this time to clean things up. And so um, Cuomo has been pushing for a lot of um, infrastructure and construction jobs to like really be pushed to the limit to give people jobs. And now, you know, there's more time to do it. Um, so that is a good thing that's coming out of this for New York City, at least. Yay. All I'm saying is we just have to wait till November. Yeah. Well, well not November. Actually, it's like February. Isn't that when they yeah. actually get out of office? Yeah. That is... I, I feel like if Trump, we'll say when, just to be optimistic, when he gets kicked out, I feel like he's... He's gonna have. He's gonna go something. kicking and screaming. Honestly, he's gonna go nuts. I know. He's gonna go nuts. Actually, all the offense in the world. I've been thinking about this. The day he, like, it gets kicked out, and I'm just gonna hope that that's the truth. It's gonna be like the end of uh, Shawshank Redemption. 
He's going to like hold himself up in his White House and he's going to be like, sacrifice yourselves for me, my trumpets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. His trumpets. I yeah. wish he called them. I that. am your. That would be funny. I am your uh, I'm golden your... god. <laughs> I hope he does that. I hope he does then... that too. Just, just um, to end his, uh, well, not, well, I don't hope he does it, but it would end his reign of weirdness and horribleness with a cinematic end, which is what all he wants. As long as no one gets hurt and everyone's fine. Exactly. It, all it is is just scratches and and the police and no one's and everyone's calling. kind of and the, just exposed. It's and it's just nah. the swearing is too limited. Like, hey, you dunce. Like he starts swearing on live TV. Like he, he like, just Whoa. all his his whole entire like yeah like ev- all of his his airs is gone and I, he's just like I'm sorry we're so far idiot. I'm sorry swears. we're so far into this and we're not only talking eighteen about, minutes. But that this is the most we have not talked about movies uh, movies. But I just want to well, say it's, there's I, not a whole lot with movies going. Like on. Like what what would be well I mean we could we I think our topic is worth an hour but I, what would be the turning point like what truly would be the synchronicity of words that trump would have to say to make his supporters hate him like if he said guys nothing guys i hate ted nugent i'm not joking i hate his guts i think his music stinks i hate him he stinks Who's ted nugent he's a very he's he's actually i think a friend of trump's he's a like hmm. a very conservative country singer speaking of country singing um Dolly Parton there's a lot a of that's what I meant to say. Anyway, let's let's go back to talk about Trump. Uh <laughs> <laughs> um Thank so you. the topic for today is Oh let's nice. you say it. Oh, it's um well I said it before, but it's uh music uh like actual musicians, like people who started off as musicians making uh hit songs for movies. So for example, mm-hmm. I'll say right off the bat, um in the air tonight by Elton John in the uh, Good Lion King. Hmm. Um, and this isn't just to you know composers out there. You're not. You're you are musicians. We're talking, We're talking about about people in bands. I'm assuming people bands. who have who are being produced by labels beforehand, who are making music, popular music. Um, I don't know outside what sp- of doing soundtracks. I wonder what the specific name of that. I mean, that seems like a really obvious one. I mean, everybody's lumped into a musician. Like Beethoven was a musician. Um, John Williams is a musician. But like, what is what is say Huey Lewis? Is he a assigned? No, he's a band. They're a band. That's the thing. It's a band or a solo act that makes the top charts. I mean, it makes the top yeah. charts in a. In a movie, so for example, like Eminem, uh, "Lose Yourself." Mm-hmm. And I um I found two really interesting articles that I'm gonna be Lay referencing for this. Can you? One uh, is from. Uh, can you send it to me, Buff? You. It's Discover Music, is the um article. It's the I guess the blog journal or whatever it's called. Um. I'm not going to send it to you because that requires too many hand movements, and you also are supposed to do your own research. Um, <laughs> As I know, you probably looked this up literally right now. I didn't. Um, it's this, but it begins. One of the interesting things about this article is it begins by talking about how, well, the first, the kind of the beginning of like music, um, musicians getting involved in movies 
um, is the 60s, in which a lot of, that's kind of the beginning of musicians, uh, people, uh, what's called jukebox movies, where they have like uh, popular music and they put it on in their film scores. Um, but actually one of the, one of the earliest examples of a musician writing music specifically for a movie is Paul McCartney, uh, wrote, um, the score for an English comedy called the family way in 1966. Uh-huh. Um, and that is one of the very early renditions of a popular musician writing music specifically for, um, for and, a thing. And what is should that we, there? Should we have between the... Sh- uh, I, I guess we should probably have music bits. Should we? To play it? To play it. Is that what they do on the other uh, shows? I mean, the other shows are all DJ shows. Sure, <laughs> We're yeah. one of the few talk shows. But the problem with that is now I have to synchronize how much time... Uh, so we'll do 30 seconds for each one. So what is that? 30 seconds. So for each show, each time we reference a song, we'll subtract 30 seconds from our thing. So that's 30 seconds right there. Wow, so, that was um, pretty good. I, I've never heard that song before. Yeah. It's from The Family Way, a movie I've also never heard about. Now, um, whenever I think of like a hit song, I can't help but think of, uh, I mean, a good list for me is the Academy Awards for Best Original Song. Now, not, oh, now, yeah, you love that list. I'm not, it's not a, I just, it's an easy thing for me to remember um, by. And on this list, uh, let's span back to 1920, um, no, 1934 was the first uh, best original song winner for uh, the film The Gay Divorce uh, song, uh, The Continental, and uh, winner was Con Conrad and Herb Magenson. Con Conrad for The Continental <laughs> in the movie The Gay Divorce. Good stuff. <laughs> well, are these are the did, are these musicians that made popular music? No, but he, that's what I'm saying. Sorry, that was the first. I, I think these a lot of them were actual like musician, like like sorry, like composers who m- wrote original songs, like for Mary Poppins, Born Free, a John Barry thing. But then when I started, the first one that actually popped into my mind that won, and and then from there it was just like Bing Bang Boom. Um, was in 1971 for Shaft by uh, mm-hmm. Isaac Hayes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, do-do, do Well, I mean, we can play it. Here we go. Okay, let's play it. That was a good song. Um, Isaac Hayes definitely brought uh, music to like a. It was is like, is even in the article that I'm reading. He's he's one of the first people. He, he's he he brought it into modern times. The musicians turned composers. 
Um, yeah, because Isaac Hayes, he was like a cool, like soul, like funk guy. And then they're like, hey, let's make, let's ask him to write him a song. And he's like, can you dig it? And really, like, it seems like black black exploitation films were kind of uh, at the forefront of bringing um, modern composers or like uh, musicians turned movie composers. Because the next greatest example, and uh, I would say, in a way, somewhat outshines Isaac Hayes, is Curtis Mayfield um, with his song or the movie Superfly which is one of the few instances in which the soundtrack actually made more money than the movie did itself. Really? Superfly? Um, yeah. So Superfly is a, uh, is a classic, and everyone knows about it. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm Your Pusher, Freddy's, did, uh, Freddy's Dead, um, the Superfly theme song. ever seen superfly i've been meaning to i haven't i heard it's not good so i heard the soundtrack is really all you need to listen to um but then curtis mayfield um made the soundtrack for troubled man uh which i believe just based on how this article is going i believe that's another black exploitation film um yes it's another black exploitation film i think um so black exploitation fans were kind of the beginning of of bringing these musicians uh, to compose. Um, so I'm trying to look at like what is like the best year for music, like for a like. See, I'm just going from an Oscar sort of standpoint, and I'm trying to look at like what was a year that was like super tough. And right now I'm looking at 1984. It seems like a really intense year. Uh, because you have woman in red. Uh, oh no, wait, that's the, that's the uh, movie. But it's I just called to say I love you by Stevie Wonder. And then you have Against All Odds in the song Against All Odds by Phil Collins. And then Footloose apparently has two songs. And then Ghostbusters, which if I had to choose one, I would do Ghostbusters. Who did Ghostbusters? Uh, Ray Parker Jr. Then, like, then in the 80s, I think, see, here's the thing. 80s it was definitely a time where pulp culture, as we're seeing today, and we've talked on this show several times, 80s is kind of like a stamping stone when it comes to pulp culture. And I'm seeing all these, because that's what our our parents were showing us. And we're, it's going to be interesting to see what we show our kids, because, honestly, a lot of the movies that are coming out today aren't 
I would not say are pulp culture, like, phenomenons. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, I'm looking at, the, I mean, all the, all, all our pop culture are all Marvel movies. And Marvel movies, and Marvel movies are just a ripoff of stuff from the 60s. So, like, like in 19, and then the next year after uh, Ghostbusters was uh, 1985, and you got Back to the Future, um, a White Knights, which, with Ryan Ritchie, and then after mm-hmm. that is Top Gun. And this, oh my goodness, there's a whole bunch of uh, stuff in What top. list are you lo- looking at? This is uh, the uh, Academy Awards for Best Original Songs. Like, are it, these. It wasn't, till, it wasn't, it doesn't look like, I mean, the 70s, you had one hit sh- song, you know, Shaft, you would hear on the radio. Now, all these songs, I've heard them, uh, several of these songs on the radio. You know, Flashdance, What a Feeling, uh, Ghostbusters, Power of Love, you hear sometimes. Uh, dirty dancer, dirty dancing. I mean, you have this barrage. Who composed of all these... for dirty dancing? Dirty dancing was John D. Nicola, Donald Markowitz, and Frankie Pervit. Were these musicians beforehand, though? Uh, no, but like this is weird. I guess I never, like, I thought I just assumed that these people was uh, like created this the song. I've had the time of my life. That sounds such like a song you would hear on the radio because maybe we mm-hmm. grew up with it. But um, there's just some song, like, these people have not done anything else. So I'm, I guess they hit it hard. Mm-hmm. I'm also not seeing Grease on here. Grease, Grease I would have... Well, that was a musical. Yeah, but that was written by Johnny, I mean, uh, Frankie Valli, who is very much... Um, mm. True. That's a, yeah, Greece is not on. The, oh no, there is one song from Greece, and it's hopelessly devoted to you. But now there's no way to hide since you pushed my love aside. I'm out of my head, hopelessly devoted to you. Dumb one. That's not the one I would choose. Well, That's one of the why they lost. Un- the other um, article that I was reading about this uh, is from IndieWire. Um, 16 tur- musicians turned composers and their breakout scores. Um, Duke Ellington, um, who is a famous jazz musician. Um, <laughs> what? Sorry, I just remembered this. Actually, this topic for today is perfect because I'm, I was looking at like all the songs from 19, uh, 2019 and... There is a song called Man or Muppet that oh yeah made the list so am i a man or am i a muppet am i a muppet if i'm a muppet then i'm a very manly muppet very manly muppet am i a muppet or am i a man am i Anyways, but Duke time. Ellington, Duke Ellington, the the first one from this one is 1959. Duke Ellington was a Ellington was a famous jazz uh, musician, uh, and he composed the, his breakout movie was Anatomy for Murder.
um, by which you saw recently, right? Auto uh, Preming Preminger's. No, I watched the man with the the golden arm. Oh, okay. I, need, I don't think I've ever seen any of Otto's films. Um, but yeah, Duke Ellington. I think to 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 kind of take back what I said earlier, I think there were a lot of jazz artists who were considered modern artists um, of their time who uh, were making music for movies. Like all the way back to the, like the jazz singer, Al, uh, Al Johnson. Uh, sorry, Al jo- Jolson. Um, who's the singer for, uh, well, he was more of an entertainer, but people were always making like the whole, the songs that they, 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 they sang in that song. Actually, were any of those original now that I'm thinking about it? I'm sure there's bound to be, at least with Duke Ellington, there, there's a lot of, uh, jazz musicians before the sixties who are making songs, jazz songs in movies. Um, yeah, but, but you know what? I mean, this is our ignorance to that but like um i'm thinking like stuff you would hear on the radio today so it's a very niche thing i'm talking about but i very much think yes there were probably musicians who were like hey let can you make you know compose me this for this uh movie like you said with the the anatomy for a murder which by the way anytime i think of that movie i think of this hard case like a a few good men but I remember very specifically, uh, like a very long scene of him hanging out with uh, like a famous jazz guy, and like, hey, you want to hear a song, Jimmy Stewart? Yeah, okay. And then he sang his song, and it's like, oh, this is it's, this is weird. It's like a music. And then, and then there is also um, going then fast forwarding into the eighties, um, the Princess Bi- Bride compro- composer. Uh, Mark N- N- Nupfler. Nope. Um, he was in the band The Dire Straits, um, which I've heard it before. I wonder how these people, though, how this turns into, like, it seems like, it, you know, most musicians don't really want to compose music for movies. It's like, what what happens to a musician to make them want to compose movies uh well instead I, I of think it's, you know make their own music and a whole bunch of money yeah i guess well, i also i also think for a lot of people like so musicians always want to be actors right and actors always want to be musicians so you have like you saw that last year or two years ago with the star is born like hey i'm bradley pooper let's um you know make a musical i can sing Hey, I could sing, mm-hmm. um, but in reality, it's like, leave that to the... Well, no, I mean, sometimes they do well, but sometimes they don't. Well, I think one of the best examples of a musician turned composer before the 80s and the 70s uh, is the the lead singer uh, or one of the, the lead guitarists from the band. What's his name? Uh, the guy got... from Scorsese's films. Oh, Robert Robinson. Yeah, Robert Robinson. Yeah, he's making they... a bunch of music. But I think he made he, a bunch of PDD almost completely transitioned to making music for movies. Like he didn't really make, he became like the, the consistent, uh, sound compo like composer for a lot of Scorsese films, or at least had something that he was like the music supervisor or something. He had some connection to all of the Scorsese's films or a majority of them. See, and I think this um, is where it's different because, um, that goes, I think this is why Greece didn't get it was, or maybe it did, but, uh, 
that's original score. So Robbie Robbins, Robert Robinson, who let me see how many times he's been nominated. Unless but I'm, he did Raging Bull. Did he? Yeah. Look it up. Look it up. We should go to a song. Okay, let's go to a song. Uh, well, first we have to like cue it up. Also, what it, Richard Richard Robinson? I'm forgetting his name. You said Robbie Robinson. Well, I was wrong. I was dead wrong. Oh, Robbie Robertson. Okay, so I guess he goes by Robbie instead of Robert. <laughs> I guess his friends call him Robbie or something. Call me Z- Zachary. Call me Zachary. Okay, please just call me Zach. I want. I one time, one time told my boss, um, "Hey, like, uh, like, hey, what do you go by?" And I said, "Oh, in, at work, I, uh, you know, to be professional, I call myself Zachary." He's like, "Yeah, but everybody calls you Zach." I'm like, "Yeah, I, I guess." Then, but it looks like he was a uh, he's he worked as in soundtrack for a uh, composer. He was a composer for King of Comedy, Color of Money. Uh, he was a composer for The Irishman, for Pete's sakes. I remember watching that movie all the way to the end, and then at the very end, they're like, there's one lyric, and it goes, The Irishman. Hmm. I'm not joking. I do that, remember that. That is not a joke, by the way, everybody. They were literally, it was like, he's like kind of the, the music, and then all of a sudden, it's like, Irishman. But um, the more modern examples of, uh, it seems like, um, uh, one of the the. Where does it say it? Oh yeah, so one of the biggest um. A film that really I think changed a lot of people's lives, uh, in in regards to to musicians who slowly turned into to um werewolves um to werewolves no to composers is the movie Pee Wee's Big Adventure, <laughs> um which apparently had both Mark <laughs> ah, that's uh, funny. Mother's uh, bow, Mark Mother's bow. Oh yeah, of course. Um, Mark Mother's started. It was was the success um, of Danny Elfman came started with that as well. Um, and as a director, it started. Um, what's his face? Um, Tim Burton. Tim Burton's career, um, and then it also was Cliff uh, Cliff Martinez uh, had some kind of uh, connection to that film as well. I uh, see. I only um, know two of those people so you're talking about. Well, let's go through them. I mean, obviously, Danny Alfin we'll get to in a bit. Um, Mark uh, Mothersbaugh uh, has been working with, um, what's his name? Wes Anderson uh, since... Wait, is he the guy from Devo? Because I know the guy... Yeah, he's the, from Devo. The guy from Devo is like, you should, it's so weird to see all the stuff he's been in, like... He made, I think, the soundtrack to Rugrats. He did the theme song to uh, Crash Bandicoot. Like this guy. Yeah. Well, he also worked. Uh, he worked the score for Billy Madison, and then I guess Adam Sandler, for some reason, introduced him to Wes Anderson, and he did the score for Bottle Rockets, and then he did the score for Rushmore, and then he did the score for the Royal Tannenbaums. <laughs> Bombs. 
Devo to like people my age or like in your age who like don't really know too much about music except from what the their parents told them or radio. Like all you know him from like Devo is whip it. Whip it good. Whip it real That's good. That's all I know. But yeah, and then like little do you know you've listened to this guy's music all your life. So mm-hmm. it's just funny how some people do a one hit wonder, but this guy did one hit wonder and now he's like he's made some like very like if you heard it, you would be like, "Oh, that's taking me back to be Wayne's Herman," or "Oh, Rushmore." <laughs> I also do think it's 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 because you listen to the music of Wes Anderson and you hear it as very Wes Anderson, when in fact it's it's this Mark, this guy, uh, this guy Mark, and you don't think of Wes Anderson as Devo at all. Like when I'm hearing Whip It, I'm not thinking everything is perfectly symmetrical. I think you know I'm yeah. not thinking everything is the mise en scene is so great in this song. It's interesting how these musicians, I feel like musicians who turn musicians and start becoming consistently, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Composers for films. They have to be a certain type of musician who is very okay with collaborating. And also, these are musicians who I think aren't really the type of egomaniacs that you think of as like musicians, people who want to be at the center of attention at all times. These are people who are completely okay with just really diving into um, uh, the music itself and like adapting their styles to whatever the directors need, whatever the story needs. And I think there's something very admirable about that. Um, but the other person who I was going to say who came from um, uh, the Pee Wee Herman, Cliff Martinez, um, is uh, he actually was a session drummer for. Um, for Red Hot Chili Peppers for a hot second. Um, And he was a session drummer for a few bands. Um, But he later became a composer for films like Drive and Spring Breakers. Oh, my goodness. Um, Wait. Well, the thing is, is whenever I think of Drive, I always think of, like, just the, yeah, like, we be heroes or whatever. Well, he was, we're talking composer. Like, there was other songs composed for the movie of Drive. And for Spring Breakers, although they they were did they did feature a lot of um, um, a lot you know, of just contempor- techno songs, com- yeah, contemporary songs outside of that were written outside of Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the composer for Drive itself, um, but he actually started um, one of the first films he was introduced. He was introduced to Steven Sonnenberg, and he composed for Sex Lies and Videotape. That was his first uh, breakout role. Um, and he's, I mean, he's been obviously working a lot. So uh, I think Pee Wee's Playhouse was kind of a big cluster of so many new talents, um, specifically well, with composing, uh, but also Tim Burton's first film. Um, so Pee Wee Herman was a big innovator. <laughs> well, I, here's the thing. Another thing we, we just glazed over, but yeah, um, Danny uh, Dan Harmon with his uh, band Boingo uh, Boingo Boingo, I mean they had a hit song, I mean hit record, 
And then they immediately, then he was like, hey, I'm going to do some, I'm going to compose stuff. And in my mind, Danny Elfman's. You said uh, Dan Harmon. <laughs> I meant Danny Elfman. Dan okay, Danny Harmon Elfman. doesn't, he, he makes silly songs, but which can still be very much win an Oscar, a la Brett McKenzie from Flat of the Concords. Um, mm-hmm. But no. <clears> hmm. <throat> Uh, Danny Elfman, I mean, the way I grew up is he did only just compose music for Batman, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, Batman Returns, uh, Mars Attacks. The, the greats, um, at least at least that's the kind of movies that I enjoy. So to me, he did very much make my childhood, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Hans Zimmer uh, was in the the Boogles, the Bugles. Really? Um, yeah, he... Hans Zimmer was in a band beforehand. Wait, the Bugles? I mean, the Bugles are a big, big time. They, I mean, they're very well known. Yeah, well, Hans Zimmer was in it. <laughs> Huh. Um, see, strange. all these people, you you had no idea. Um, yeah, Hans Zimmer was... Uh, buh, 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 buh. Let me see, let me see, let me see, see. They did Video Kill the Radio Star. Yeah, I didn't the know... the biggest that, thing. That, that, uh, that's kind of all their, at least, once again, um, for, like, Devo and all that jazz. Uh, they're kind of a one-hit wonder in my mind. So... I I found that to be uh, very interesting. That that's mm. where he came from. Actually, I'm reading further into this, uh, <laughs> and it seems like he. Yes. Uh, I don't think he was in the band. <laughs> oh my goodness! Did you, where did you? Sorry. Just, did you just come up with that? I just made that up. Mm. But it says no. Uh, both played in pop rock star groups in the early days. Zimmer with the B- oh, it does say he was in the. B- this thing is saying he's in the Bugles. So, I don't know. Hmm. Wikipedia is saying he's not in the Bugles, but this article is saying he was in the Bugles. Well, now I don't know what to believe. <clears throat> I feel like this uh, this whole entire thing is, or this whole entire radio show is uh, one half facts and the other is just covering it up well this is why we don't talk about musicians but i will say another uh cornucopia of uh um uh someone who brings out musicians to be turned into to um uh to turn into composers i keep for why don't i don't know why i'm not i can't say composers um is um pt anderson oh no, P.T. Anderson. Well, I actually, I think um, mine is is more compelling than yours. Well, I was going to say P.T. Anderson because um, John Bryan did the composition for the movie Punch Drunk Love. Um, but he also, uh, he did some gigs with the Wildflowers, um, the Jellyfish. He worked with Fiona Apple, Rufus Rain White. Oh, I love the um, And it was kind jellyfish. of a, fr- he was just kind of a, a musician that just kind of boxed around to different places. Um, and I'm assuming through Fiona Apple, who was dating um, uh, P.T. Anderson. Anderson at the time. 
He did the score for Magnolia. Um, and then he also did the score for, uh, he did, uh, he transitioned into, uh, melancholy themes, theme waltz from the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. So he worked on that. Um, and then P.T. Anderson went on to work with, um, Johnny Greenwood, who, uh, is from the band Radiohead. Uh, and he, uh, worked with, uh, P.T. Anderson on the film There Will Be Blood, which I feel like is one of the most iconic soundtracks of uh, the 2000s, really. It's a very. Um, it's, if I heard it, I definitely would be it, something. Something I would put on, like yeah, there will be blood soundtrack. But it's like do do did it, bad it, bad up. Yeah, it's really for the film itself. But um, um, something that I was, uh, you know, I think so. Yes, that's a good. You brought. You talked about a director, but Randy Newman. I also think is somebody who has stayed an artist, but has won several Oscars for his his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you have, uh, you know, why don't you be a friend of me? You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed, you just remember what your old past said. Boy, you got a and then all the other crap he did. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, if Toy I don't Story. know you from Monsters Inc. Um, let me see what other stuff. Oh, damn, see, it's very. Well, hard. I think one of the the biggest ones I think before we we wrap things up because we're probably going to be running out of time soon if we're going to be having all this music in there. Um, one of the biggest musicians is um, Trent Reznor. Uh, oh yes, Trent Reznor. No, this is a story. This is the one that I. This is one of the reasons. Well, Trent Reznor, but also um, uh, Fraser Boy, Juicy J, and uh, DJ Paul for their uh, song from Hustle and Flow. It's hard out there for a pimp. You know it's hard out here for a pimp when he tryna get his money for the rent. For the Cadillac and gas money spent, it cause a whole lot. the oscar for that but what did uh, trent reznor do uh trent reznor did um he was in social network he did nine inch nails um he did um i mean trent reznor was in he made the music for fight club he made the music for social network he's david finch's guy david fincher's guy but didn't he also how do you how do you spell trent reznor Trent Reznor is T R E N T R E Z N O R. He must have done the original. He must do a score because he's not coming up on my songs. Um, but 
Yeah, no. No, I mean, he's 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 huge. Like he's Trent Reznor is. I mean, he did the he like the famous soundtrack for um, Social Network. Like you think of Social Network, and the the soundtrack for that is iconic. Fred Reznor is one of the great musicians from Nine Inch Nails. There you go. He he won the Oscar for Social Network, which, by the way, um, Quentin Tarantino says Social Network is the best hands down. uh, Oh, my God. That was so stupid. I saw your tweet. um, Um, But, yeah, he won the Oscar, which is pretty cool. I also got shushed because apparently I'm too loud to be in the basement, too. Wow. You're pretty, uh, pretty. Um, well, it's just this. the house is so small. But it's about that time for uh, what we've seen, I believe. Yeah, and I'm going to start with my film. Because okay. um, my film, uh, Zach and I already have a little bit of discussion on. Uh-oh. It's a film called Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> and Vampire's Kiss is a film by... Um, it's a Nicolas Cage film. That's all you need to know. Uh, and it was so funny like all the memes you can think of Nicolas Cage come from this movie and let me tell you it's a like meme after meme after meme after meme and you were just like wow like all of this came from this movie like anything like watch the movie or watch the 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 thing uh Nicolas Cage loses his shit it's like a compilation of stuff on YouTube and I'd say 50% of it is from this movie and it is so funny because I don't know what the movie's about. And I don't know. I know kind of what's going on. Um, but it's just Nicolas Cage getting more and more nuts. And uh, it's great. I highly recommend it. Um, I've seen the, I saw the very end of it. And it is something that I was like, oh my goodness, this is, how could somebody come up with this? This is so off the wall bunkers. Um, Unfortunately, well, you didn't seem to like it that much. No, no, no. I said I said exactly how I feel, which to it it does sound insulting, but yeah, I think it's really dumb. But something that people don't understand is when I say something is dumb, unless I'm truly like this is a bad movie, this is horrible. Uh, afterwards, no, I think dumb is funny. Like I remember, I met uh, the guy who directed McGruber, who's also from the Lonely Islands band. Yes, I know I'm doing name drop. But I'm only doing this as evidence because we were sitting there, like, having a beer together. And he's like, how did you think of the movie? And I'm like, oh, it was so great. I mean, it was, it was like, it was so dumb. Um, <laughs> but I, like, and he's like, oh. And I'm like, no, but, like, dumb in the good way. Because some movies need to be dumb, like, to work. Um, I don't think I worded that right. But, no, that's how I think Vampire Kisses works. It, like, I, I saw that commentary that you posted to me. And I, I was, I thought that was really funny. Why directors do the thing they do, and kind of like it just kind of shows that directors and actors are kind of having just fun sometimes. Like he's like, yeah, I just told you to jump up on that desk. <laughs> Though last night, Sam, and this is this is the first. Okay, th- okay, this is f- first. I'm gonna try to phrase this differently. 
This was the first time where I was actually like, oh my goodness, I'm stuck in this house and there's nothing I can do about it. Um, one of my one of my roommates put on Biodome last note, and he mm. unironically likes it. And I I don't get angry. I only get angry at people who like bad movies. And I was like, this movie stinks. Not funny. It's actually bad. It's actually like damage. It's that like, reminds me of. It's as bad. Biodome is as bad as drugs. That reminds me of another movie I watched recently. It's a movie called Tank Girl. Um, Tank Girl is, uh, I forget her name, but the lead of Tank Girl um reminds me a lot of the lead of biodome the girl the girl's name is Lori petty and uh they just remind me it's like this this kind of thing in the 90s in which people thought it was cool to be so very annoying but like do a really annoying voice but thing is like peewee herman had kind of an annoying voice but you love the guy and then you know like i mean you could say Adam Sandler had an annoying voice and it did get tiring after a while, but like two words out of Polly Shore's voice. And it's like, Oh, I want to punch him, not laugh at any. He's like, if he said, Hey buddy, like, Hey buddy once. And that was it. I would have gotten a chuckle, but instead that was his whole thing. Polly Shore. I've never seen him in anything good afterwards, except in cartoons. Cause that's what he deserves to be. I mean, not deserves. That's who he, he's a cartoon. He, he should not be seen. The woman you're talking about was great in this epi- uh, in the show new, uh, in Orange is the New Black. Like she's a good actress. I'm sure. I think I think uh, Tank Girl was still fun to watch. I didn't want to blow my brains out like with uh, Biodome, but it was definitely of a time period in which that type of person, that type of uh, character, like very annoying person was could lead the whole movie um and i just i'm glad that that doesn't exist anymore as do i but uh who knows what will uh surface from this uh pandemic all right all right well uh, thanks for listening stay clean spider-man bye bye